the big picture is that uh, you need to have the power of big ideas driving this sometimes you may achieve your goals 100% some may, sometimes you may achieve your goals 80% or even 50% but i would take 50% any day then nothing at all when it comes to rolling back climate change and its destructive effects where do we start just this week at the key cop24 climate conference in poland thousands have gathered with the objective of adopting global guidelines to meet ambitious targets and slow global warming down. But with nearly 200 nations involved, it's difficult to reach a consensus. For Satya Tripathi, who serves as Assistant Secretary General for the UN's Climate Agency, which calls itself UN Environment these days, an international commitment looks promising, and he says some progress is better than none at all. Welcome to this latest UN News podcast, The Lid is On. I'm Natalie Hutchison, and next up, you'll hear from Mr. Tripathi, who spoke with Yasmina Guerda, our own source for updates on all things COP24, during the two-week meeting of government officials, advocates, and activists. Satya, who originates from India, began by describing the positive action he's seen among participating nations and revealed some specifics on what his home country has been doing to protect the planet. Every minister I have spoken with is excited about the prospects of raising ambitions um, and finding the resources and the tools to actualize and realize those ambitions. I think the challenge is not with individual ambitions. You see that everywhere. I think the challenge in everybody coming around the table and agreeing to common parameters and goals that everybody can subscribe to. I think that's the challenge. And that's also the theme of this COP, that we need to uh, find the resolve to agree on the rule book and the implementation parameters of the Paris Agreement. And then that, I sincerely hope that by the end of uh, the COP, we reach a point that gives everybody hope and the motivation to move forward in an even stronger manner. So do you think we're going to get to that rule book by the end of the week? Well, I certainly hope so, uh, and um, uh, from the intense negotiations that are currently underway, um, I can give you one metric that uh, yesterday uh, our host country, Poland, was uh, hosting a high-level dinner and half of the table were empty. Now, uh, the visual is that, okay, wow, half of the table people didn't come. No, these people were in the negotiating room. So most of the ministers couldn't show up. Uh, if you managed to get out, uh, but a lot were stuck in the negotiating table. So I think that speaks well, that they take uh, this very seriously and, uh, and are working together. So, so I'm very hopeful. You have been working on sustainable development for years now. Do you find that climate action overall has uh, gained momentum and is now more at the center of everybody's preoccupations? I think uh, in terms of policymakers and uh, the technocrats, I think everybody understands whether it is sustainable development or the climate challenge. But I think where we have failed considerably is in communicating the risks to the people at large because it, it really is difficult to comprehend how a problem of such magnitude misses the, um, the consciousness of people, you know, because people talk like this is some normal problem. We are in an existential problem where with every passing minute the possibility of us breaking through 
and keeping to 2 degrees or 1.5 degrees celsius is becoming more and more and more difficult while um the policy makers and the technocrats do understand the subject possibly much more better now than was the case decades earlier it is still not the case with people that matter at the grassroots because unless people change there it's impossible to meet the climate goals so that's our challenge and that's our opportunity so to find new ways to reach out to people and make that point emphatically that this is our common future this is not a particular country's common future um or a particular region's common future but it is the whole planet's common future which we are all intrinsically linked to you represent un environment in new york uh, and you just said at the political level there seems to be a consciousness is that true also at unhq in the midst of all the other global issues that that office that building has to handle every day i think um, uh, i draw inspiration from the secretary general's uh, statements and uh, engagements uh, around the world so yes there are a lot of priorities for the un but i think the secretary general has made it very clear that this is his topmost priority and for us in different uh, organizations and departments within the un system we need to take inspiration from that and make sure that we work even more strongly to deliver on the secretary general's vision of a carbon neutral world and when you say that we have failed to reach maybe the common individuals what is a un environment what is the un in general what can we do uh to to reach them i think communicating more effectively is 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 as much about the tools as about the message so so we we certainly have the tools and we need to find the message and and i see at un environment a very strong communications team that's working very hard to get that message out um, in very many ways uh, and uh, we've had some very successful engagement reaching out to tens of millions of people worldwide and we'll keep doing that um, even more strongly uh, with more innovative ideas and engagements on the practical front you know you un environment is one of the agencies of the united nations that is actually tangibly supporting projects worldwide uh, to to move towards sustainability do you have any pre- preferred projects some some initiatives that you'd like to share here but one i would like to particularly mention uh, is what the government of andhra pradesh is doing in india uh, they are working to convert 6 million farmers on 8 million hectares of cropland which is their entire crop area in the entire state of 55 million people to convert them to farming that does not use any synthetic chemical fertilizers or pesticides which in simpler terms zero chemical farming and they have already converted half a million farmers now come to think of it organic food is good for health everybody says that but very little organic food is available anywhere on the planet maybe somewhere in the big cities but certainly not everywhere and it costs much more than normal food does and that's why this is such an empowering program because here it is mass produced zero chemical agricultural substances agricultural produces and cereals and vegetables and uh, fruits that everybody has access to at mass market prices so when everything changes when it is a system scale transformation this state or in india will avoid 3 million tons 
of agricultural chemicals from going into the soil, the water bodies, the tanks, the uh, rivers, the ponds, and the ocean. And, and mind you, this state has the second largest coastline in India, which is considerable. India has about 7,000 kilometers of coastline. So from every aspect that you can think of, uh, it's proving to be something that can really change the way we live our lives. We had a cabinet-level delegation from Indonesia, which is the fourth-largest country in the world, visiting that state soon after. Uh, and they saw, um, and they were very impressed by what they saw, and then now they are working uh, to see how they can replicate it in their own country. So I think this is fantastic and this is very empowering that the UN's true value is not in how much money it can find from donors and brings to countries that are in need, but in the power of ideas. And and in that, I think UN Environment has been singularly successful in bringing the power of ideas, in working with the government, in um, uh, building ambition, and, uh, and uh, pulling together a partnership of uh, empowered institutions worldwide in support of the government, which hasn't really required money. Uh, and, and, and the beauty is that uh, in this is that the government really appreciates what they're not looking for resources. Um, and a lot of these countries like India don't need resources, they don't want resources. What they want is an empowered partnership where there is dignity, not charity. You are, uh, you are from India yourself, um, and India here at COP24 and also historically has had to face a lot of the challenges that climate action uh, represents. How is India overcoming this, apart from the um, example that you just cited? What are the changes that you see it concretely on the ground? The government in Maharashtra, um, of which Bombay is the state capital, they, they banned plastic, um, single-use plastic, you know. You can't find single-use plastic no matter which shop you go to in Mumbai. And Mumbai is one of the largest cities in the world. And uh, the prime minister, um, among the few things he has done, uh, one was the what they, is more popularly known as the Swachh Bharat Mission, which basically um, it's, it's a clean India campaign. And, and one of the main... Uh, pillars of that campaign is to make the country open defecation free and as we know uh, most of the public health challenges and diseases comes out of open defecation um, apart from the fact that uh, um, it, uh, it it also results in the loss of dignity for a lot of people that uh, don't have uh, the opportunity of uh, using a, a, a proper toilet uh, but it's also a public health hazard, and it costs billions of dollars to developing countries worldwide. Uh, and then, of course, uh, you, one could argue the impact uh, or the implementation could have been a little more efficient or smoother and all, but but then I think we are missing out on the big picture. The big picture is that uh, you need to have the power of big ideas driving this. Sometimes you may achieve your goals 100%, some may, sometimes you may achieve your goals 80% or even 50%. But I would take 50% any day, then nothing at all. And the Prime Minister announced that uh, India will uh, do away with single-use plastic by 2022, which is a huge announcement, for the simple reason that uh, it's home to 1.3 billion people. It is easy to get lost in 
the conversation on uh, who pays whom, whose responsibility it is that we are in the current state of uh, environment as we find ourselves in. I think that's a useful debate from the perspective of sovereign nations. But we should not lose sight of the fact that we're all responsible uh, and we all need to improve uh, our immediate surroundings, our immediate environment. That's where we need to focus ourselves while keep arguing about things that we value in the diplomatic uh, playing field. So what you're saying is no matter what challenges you have, where there's a will, you will find a way to, to tackle these, these problems. Absolutely. Where there is a will, there is always a way. <laughs> Thank you. Um, a lot of countries here have um, a concern over this energy transition that is being required in, in climate action. What is the UN's sort of recommendation in facing this, this problem in transition from a human perspective for the economy? Well, I think we have the tools. Uh, we just need to find the resources to make those tools effective and uh, within the reach of those that need it the most. And in this, private finance is going to play a huge role in uh, making those resources available to those that need it the most. UN Environment has been championing the cause of sustainable finance for a while now and uh, has catalyzed uh, the Tropical Landscapes Finance Facility in Indonesia, the Sustainable India Finance Facility, which is supporting that uh, magnificent project in Andhra Pradesh that I mentioned a little while earlier. Um, and, and private finance uh, is limitless, uh, unlike public finance. And, uh, and, and it can all be unlocked with a little bit of public finance being made available either in the shape of counter guarantees or blended finance as it is more popularly called now and uh, and and the same um, public uh, amount of public finance can actually go 10 times the distance uh, by bringing the public and the private aspects of finance together and working hand in hand in support of uh, those that need the resources the most because ultimately it's it's a question of ambition it's a question of tools both of which are not lacking. And neither are the resources. We just have to look in the right places. Thank you. You've been listening to The Lit Is On podcast with the UN's Satya Tripathi and my colleague Yasmina Guerda of UN News. From UN headquarters in New York, I'm Natalie Hutchison. Thanks for listening. <laughs>